Hey everybody, welcome to the Soulful Eclectic. I am your host, Diana Collins, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. If this is the first time you're visiting, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join me and listen to what it is that has to be talked about today. And also, if this is the whatever number time that you're returning, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I want to say heartfelt thank you to everyone, those who have come back, those who have taken the time out today and was just curious. Thank you. And also, I want to thank everyone for the great feedback that I've been getting, and it's been amazing, and just keep it coming. If you haven't already, just go ahead and subscribe to the page. Uh, As we are building, I am adding new things to uh, our upcoming website and things of that nature, so just stay tuned, and uh, hopefully down the road, we'll have some great things happening, so yeah, so thank you so much for being a part of today's plan. If it was a plan, if it wasn't a plan, if you just happened upon the podcast, I just, again, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, Bringing love and light to you and those around you and those you hold dear to yourself, to you, to you. I appreciate all of you. Um, So today's episode, wow, today's episode is with a, a friend of mine, Tiffany Lattimore, Tiffany hails from Baltimore, Maryland, and she's a dear friend of mine that I met um, while at the conference of the NAACP a couple of years ago, and I actually met her wife, Kina, who um, unfortunately passed suddenly, and you know, what a loving soul um, Kina was, but they both are, they both are, so I've come to really get to know Tiffany a little bit better. And um, man, she's got some things to share. And I thought it would be a great thing to have her on the podcast, being a uh, in the LGBTQ community and being a masculine female. I think she has a great perspective that a lot of people don't look into or don't know about, or maybe they just don't even care. But in today's I don't want to just say today, but we've always been in this space where inclusive and diversity have been missed. Diversity in LGBTQ community as well. So it's just things that we should continue to talk about it until it's no longer an issue. Uh, Like being black, it shouldn't be an issue after all these centuries of being on this continent, right? But it continues to be an issue. So why is it that we can't just love each other for who we are and what we bring to the table? So with that, I want to have this conversation with Tiffany and share some, shed some light into her world as she navigates these types of conversations. So with that, I have my friend Tiffany Lattimore. All right. So my dear friend, my sisters, Miss Tiffany Lattimore, how the hell are you? How have you been? Miss Sicky over here. What? <laughs> been okay. I've been okay. Um, life has been interesting. And yeah, life has been interesting. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you and chat with you because we've had conversation periodically about different things. And um, you touched on a lot that resonated with not just myself, but people I know in the community. And I I think a lot of what we were talking about can be 
helpful to um, to others, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast because, um, yeah, we was we were we, we were talking about some profound shit that day. Absolutely, <laughs> and I'm so honored and so flattered that you even you know considered me. For your podcast. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we, we, we had some, some great epiphanies. We were fixing the world that day, damn it. I don't know. That was a good morning. <laughs> we had all the world figured out that day. Um, but I know, you know, you can, and I always offer this, to be as transparent and share as much as you would like that you think will be beneficial to anyone that is listening. Um, this is for all communities, black, brown, LGBTQ, whatever, you know, everyone has something going on and, and it is what it is. But, um, I, I really don't have specific questions because I let what our conversation becomes guide our questioning. So, um, Forgive me for not being that starch reporter. Okay, what is this? Uh, that's not me. Um, I don't think that would ever be me. But <laughs> I'm that whimsical. Okay. Okay, indi- I'm that whimsical individual that just says whatever pops into her head. Sometimes my speech bubble gets full. Is what okay. I is what I call it. Um, so here, let's just start here. You um, we could, go ahead. Let, tell me how you started this journey on being your authentic self? So around 30, I had like this epiphany, right? I was in the psychology class and he says he wanted us to write about significant events that kind of like shaped our life. And I didn't realize the magnitude of what he was asking. So as I sat and I started to really ponder what was going on, I realized that there had been some things in my life that had shaped literally who I was. Mm. So the totality of that was a paper that came out of that. And what it birthed was a conversation. Um, It was called Significant Events because it started out as me addressing my lifestyle, Mm. being a lesbian, right? Being masculine presenting, mm-hmm. how the world sees you, mm-hmm. how being masculine presenting, being uh, a woman of color, and then a woman, and all three of those dynamics intersect. Right. And how each one of those intersects, and there's discrimination associated with that. Um, then I had to contend with me being 30 and being ashamed of being at school at that age. Mm. Because I put pressure on myself about timing and what society said or what my mother said that I should have been or should have done. So that paper kind of like gave me an eye opening into myself on a multitude of platforms that I'm currently still dissecting Mm -hmm. just in different ways. So that was the start. I think it was 2012 Mm -hmm. because that's when I was 30. So it was like an aha moment. Like I literally had an epiphany. Those damn and, aha moments, man, they get you, boy. They do, they do. And it was so profound. I just, you know, I was just like, wow. So what got me not to feel so bad about, you know, my orientation, it's just like, you know what? 
you know, you go through things, right? Mm -hmm. And I realize now that, you know, I used to be like, okay, appearance is everything. And the way you carry yourself tells a lot about a person. You know, I have to be confident in how the world sees and perceives me. But at the same time, I don't have to make any apologies or give any explanations for it Mm -hmm. either. I feel like a lot of the times we have to, when we're uncomfortable in our own skin, we make it our business to make others comfortable. And that's problematic. I literally allowed a situation where I was harassed physically. I was terminated. I was stalked. I allowed that situation to dictate my career choices because I didn't want to be in corporate America anymore. Mm. Being subjugated to harassment because I was dealing with toxic masculinity. So I said, hey, I ain't got to worry about who thinks I'm what. If I get a job with a uniform, nobody will question Right. That's that's a trauma response, me being uncomfortable in my skin. Mm-hmm. And at 30, I realized it. And I was tired. I chose doing armed security, law enforcement, even though we're at the bottom of the totem pole in the grand spectrum of things. But it had a uniform, and it paid handsomely. Right. So I allowed that one job to dictate my career choice. And I just... It, you had to, I mean, it was like, you, you, when you when you think about it in that context, it's just like, wow, mm-hmm. wow. But I think a lot of us tend to do that because I, I know for myself, uh, being a lesbian woman and, you know, and fe- feminine presenting, it was easy to, to assimilate into that heterosexual yes. world because someone always assumed that you were straight. I would go to gay bars and... I will be totally ignored because just by looking at me, they just assume I'm a straight girl hanging out with, you know, her, her butch friend or whatever the case may be. It's like, no, hello. Hi. Yeah. You can talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting how you have the luxury of discretion, even though it's not that you're not met with your own level, but the mainstream. Right. Because I'm sure in spaces, you know, you have your your heterosexual colleagues, right? Mm-hmm. And and they'll have conversations about their others, and then you're excluded. Exactly. Like no one talks about it, but yes. they don't address it either. So there is something with that as well. But the aesthetics, you have the luxury of discretion. Right. And they they thought my my partner at that time was my nanny. I had someone say, mm. "Oh, your nanny's here." I was like, "Who the hell's my nanny? Who can? Who? I'm a nurse. I can't afford a, na- a nanny." <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't mean to laugh. That's okay, cause I, 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 I it's hysterical. Cause at that yeah. point, I was a, a staff nurse, still in school, working to get my my. I think it was my BSN at that time, and I said, "I wow, I I just stopped and said I can afford a nanny. Didn't know I could." <laughs> Because I'm, I'm, I'm a smart ass like that. I, I, I mm-hmm. you know, I just look, I'm like, oh, we get paid that much that I can afford a nanny? Right. How does that work? So, you know, I, I, I took the other route and instead of being offended, I, I, I did make light of it and, and, and nicely put that person in their position um, and ex- and explain to them, and they looked at me like, "Oh, I had no idea. You don't look it." And what does it look like? Thank Ooh. you. That was Ooh. my response. What it's, does it look like? It's interesting. Um, just the narrative, um, how how it has a look. Um, I think about for me, since I do have the look mm-hmm. of masculine, um, how. 
you are treated by men and how you're treated by women. A lot of the times women, even if they do find you attractive mm-hmm. and they were curious about the lifestyle, you give them the best of both worlds. Yes. So it's disingenuine. And then on top of that, heterosexual women that aren't interested in where you're just trying to establish a sister girl platonic relationship because you crave those types of interactions as well. Right. You're excluded from spaces like a bachelorette party. I had a um, friend say, well, we're having a pole dancing party. I'm like, okay, cool. I would come and, you know, get on the pole. And, and they're like this. And they're saying like, well, why, why would you, um, why would you want to do that? Or some of the girls feel uncomfortable with you being there because they feel like that you're going to, um, you know, be looking at them in a, and I'm like, I don't like every woman that I see. Thank you. And you don't objectify everyone sexually. It's just, it's just what it is. Right. So it's like you get excluded from those spaces and then the guys, they want to have the banter with you. And depending on what your comfort level is, for me, a lot of the times, I'm still a woman, even though I'm masculine presenting, and I don't necessarily tolerate, you know, the degradation of women. Right. Damn, she got a fat ass. Bro, come on. Let's let's not do that. You know what I'm saying? And it's not okay. No. And they want to include me into the guy talk, or then they have the audacity to ask me, so who raped you? Right. Or were you molested? As if it had a thing, or if it had a point of origin. Or when did you know? Um, and I said, well, when did you know you were straight? You know, or, you know, have you ever been with a man? And then when they find out, for me, I haven't, then it's like, well, then there, it probes more questions. Yes. But, you know, I have felt like I had to explain myself. I'm not the representation of the gay community. I'm not going to speak for the whole. This is just my experience. It's singular, mm-hmm. right? But I will be met with those types of questions. I mean, even the harassment at work, they would be like, oh, well, um, you know, a woman like you, you know, you got such beautiful lips. You know, I would fuck the gay out of you as if it was sexual. What oh, the hell? You know, and they just thought that was okay. And didn't see anything wrong in the comments. And then I've been labeled hypersensitive when complaining to management. No, no, that's sexual harassment. And, and absolutely on any level. And Absolutely. if you've taken any sexual harassment training, like every HR makes you in every, just about every employment, it's right there. Absolutely. So, yes, to be met with those types of, you know, daily confrontations um, from men and women, people that don't necessarily want to, um, you know, be in your company because they don't want anyone to perceive them to be gay because you're telling it based on your appearance. You know, it's just a lot of interesting experiences I've had overall. Um, I've, I'm not a fan of PDA. I've been harassed every time I go into the ladies' room. And it's like, you know what, to an extent, I even get it. I got a suit and tie on. Right. And I'm walking into the ladies' room. And I can understand how disconcerting that can be. Mm-hmm. But once I address it, hey, I'm not a guy. Let's leave it alone because you already know there's other folks living all kinds of alternative lifestyles. Exactly. I've had men spouses follow me into the bathroom so I'm like what the fuck is that or it's a pedophile in the bathroom show right. me on the books where um, uh, a, a case file mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying right. where that was okay. Mm-mm. it's always been heterosexual men that dress as men that, that identify as men that have been blessing children yes. so miss me with the perv comments mm-hmm. um, you know and so it's just like a lot of things that you realize that you're subjugated to so you get your ass beat a couple times. Yeah, I'm not for PDA. Right. I, I don't go to the bathroom alone. Right. Everybody knows when I go out and we have dinner, if I ask you to come to the bathroom with me, you already know what the deal is. Right. 
so it's just been an interesting um interesting thing and and it's funny when people say you chose it <laughs> oh man it's not... <laughs> really you you chose it I can choose a lot of things in life, okay? <laughs> you know, and and knowing the ramifications of how we live our life, who would want to choose this? Say that again. Say that again. Okay. No. Hashtag that. Right. Knowing how the turnout would be, who would choose this harassment? That's like us saying we want we we chose to be black. Indeed, indeed, and I didn't, and I use color as an analogy, oftentimes because for the majority they are they have the ability to grasp the concepts of the discrimination that is experienced, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I'm just like, hey, it's it's the same thing. It yes. is the same thing, you know. It's like I'm okay with gay people, but um, I wouldn't want my child to be gay. So I would say for color, I'm okay with people of color, but I wouldn't want my you know my daughter to be married to a person of color. You can't. Either you accept it or you're not. Right. Or why does he have to be fatty acting? What do you mean? And what does that even, what are you actually saying? Right. You know, well, if he's a man, why he got to be feminine? Um, if this is how he presents and this is how he identifies, or this is what he's, what do you mean? And it's, it's, it's a conversation. It really is. And so I think about um, the biggest part that I've experienced that has been the roughest that I still struggle with is the job market. Yeah. Um, granted, we have, you know, a lot of masculine presenting um, folks or just LGBTQIA plus in that spectrum, you know, um, showing up in, in specialty fields. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for someone like me that has, you know, blue collar skills, I've met with a lot of adversity. I remember one time I went on an interview for the um, a particular agency that I won't name, mm-hmm. but they um, needed an, uh, an investigator. And you know how, like, in the interview part, when you're waiting to be seen, you know, you'll have banter with the others that are there. I was the only one with my associate's degree. And so this individual comes out of the room, and he's like, I'm looking for Tiffany and Adam. And when he looks me up and down, you could just see the disgust. Yes. And he tells me in front of everyone that the position's filled. Yes. Where, in the requirement, it was required that within a year of achieving the position that you had to have at least 60 college credits Mm. or an associate's. See. How do you, who do you complain to? What do you even say? Exactly. Exactly. Um, You know, um, so it's just, it's just been, it's just been, it's just been a whirlwind um, of emotions. And then, um, I still also struggle with um, what I initially said about beating myself up for going to school so late. Um, Yeah, why is that? So, I read a story about Bishop Jakes, and it was a story, um, basically real quick in synopsis. Mm -hmm. He talked about how children are very impressionable and how they emulate everything that we show them, right? Like, they've never been good at listening, but they've never failed to imitate you, right? Right. So... He talked about how he was in the mirror and he was lathering up his face and had his towel and hot rag and had his straight razor sharpened in it. And, you know, the little boy was doing the same thing. And, you know, he was shaving his face and put the razor down and the little boy tries to grab it. He's like, no, that's not for you. Right. So, but later on, you know, children are defiant. Jake's was nowhere around. So the little boy lathers up his face with the phone and gets the hot rag and towel and sharpens the razor just like you saw him do it. He takes the razor and he gets ready to shave and he cuts himself and bleeds profusely. And he says, isn't it funny? 
The very same thing that's given to you, uh, that's a blessing to you later on in life, given too soon is detrimental. Mm. And I said, damn it, I got it. <laughs> I was so worried about going to school at 18, right, mm-hmm. that I beat myself up for not. Yep. But it's about time. And it took for me to experience a little bit about life and learn a little bit about myself. And 30 was the time. Mm-hmm. Too soon, it was detrimental. I wasn't ready at 18. And not everybody is. We're so busy comparing ourselves to other folks and what has been. Yes. That wasn't my experience. Now, how I still struggle with that is I've been reading Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this woman has crossed T's, dot I's, and sat at tables that we could probably never see and has had, you know, um, experiences and, and, and been a lawyer with some prestigious schools. And she still doesn't actually know what she wants to do with her life and she does not want to be an attorney. Speaks a lot to me right now. Yes. And that's how that applies because not only did I not know what I want to do, here I am still not knowing and I'm beating myself up for not knowing. But I'm like, damn, the former first lady doesn't even know what she wants to do. So I can't be so mad. Right. She has things that she loves, things that she has done. She has found a niche, but that's not what her passion is. Hmm. And I've been beating myself up for not knowing what it is I want to do to even make a career change. I don't know. You haven't experienced that passion yet. You haven't come into what drives you. Right. I know helping people drives me. Mm-hmm. I know that I find myself an advocate for like the underdog. So even if it's a wrong of some sort and it has nothing to do with me, it's like I'll speak up. Mm-hmm. So... um in experiencing the loss of my wife, I've found that I've lent myself to others to help them cope with grief. Mm-hmm. So I actually thought about going to school to become a therapist to cope, help people cope with the, the first, you know, bit of grief. It helps me therapeutically, and then also I'm getting a chance to help them, mm-hmm. you know, in the middle of this pandemic where you're dealing with external factors and internal factors, and so it's compounded. Right. I think that is... Um, you said some a couple of key things in there. The fact that we're pushed by timelines given by some individual that is not us, that says we should be at these mile markers in life, we should, we should be doing these certain things. And I find that I have this conversation with a, a lot of young and old people, just anyone, every, anyone who comes into to my space and talks about education and that I'm too old to do this, I'm too young to do this, or by this age I should be here, and by this I should have this. It's like, who said this? You know, who is this guiding force that is telling us that we need to be at doing these things at these milestones? If you are not physically and mentally ready, then how is how is getting to those milestones going to be helpful t- to you? How is that Absolutely. going to build you? It's detrimental. Right. I think it sets you up for a continued failure. Right. It does. It does. You're not ready for it. You're not ready to receive the magnitude of your potential. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's not, and and, 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 and like I said, there's a lot of, you know, great stories I could use for those analogies, but it's just, you're just not ready to receive. And sometimes it takes your unique complexity of the situation that you was in for you to, you know, be beneficial to someone. Mm-hmm. You know, could I have imparted any knowledge on anyone um, uh, as genuinely not experiencing 
losing my wife. And it's not to say that a therapist that hasn't experienced grief won't understand. Right. But there's an extent to the empathy. Mm. There's an extent and a limit to what you can actually grasp. Like, I've been in the trenches. Like, I know exactly what you feel. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, it's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> it's ugly and it never <laughs> goes away. You know what I mean? So I want to I want to be that sounding board for someone because I've been so blessed to still extensively have support mm-hmm. from family and friends and some folks don't. That is true. So I want to I want to I want to lend myself in that way. So to others. So have you started that process? Have you started that journey of So I've started to look up some institutions and see like what it all entails um and what's involved and I've reached out to a few um universities. Mm-hmm. Um and getting getting feedback of like the process. And it's very very involved, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um but then it's like there's going to be a patch of I may not necessarily be able to financially do everything that I need to right away only right. because it will require me to like not work right. and just entertain, you know, a clinical mm-hmm. of sorts, like maybe someone would do in um, the medical field. Mm-hmm. So trying to wrap my head around and prepare for that impact financially, because once I begin, I want to just go through it with no interruptions. Right. Right. You know, so just trying to, trying to figure out the plan of action for that, like an A, B, and C. Right, navigating As best I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is a level of navigation, but definitely, um, I, I know some individuals that, that do, that, that does grief counseling um, on this, and she lost her husband um, about 11 years ago, I believe. Mm. Um and it still impacts her. She's a very good friend of mine. So I definitely will share her information with you. Um, oh, absolutely. I appreciate and, that. And um, she, she's still, she, she, uh, yeah, she's, she's just a great soul. She really is. Um, I, I have great people in my circle. So I, I mean, anyone that. <laughs> they, hey, they just, iron sharpens iron. Right. And you know what? That's a good thing to have, you know, especially just as a woman of color, we have to, um, I think oftentimes we're bred to, uh, inherently um, have disdain for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's um, it's like the night sky. It's not one star that brightens the night, it's many. Yes. Offering their own dynamic, but collectively, like, we shine, right? Yes. And that's how we need to be with one another because, I mean, we got too many other adversities coming at us. I mean, hell, the moon and the sun are equally important, but they're not in competition. Right. Without the moon, we would not have a gravitational pull and a tide on Earth. But without the sun, you wouldn't have life. They ain't in competition. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, the rose ain't asking the lily what's going on, but go ahead. You know, right? So, so why is it that we find it so difficult to give each other a hand and straighten each other's crown? Uh, uh, I'm not about that life. So definitely, um, we, you know, and collectively in that, in my, in this circle, I, I, yeah, she, she's uh, amazing. She's a psychologist. She has a doctor in psychologist, and she does grief counseling and things of that nature. So. Um, definitely I will put you in contact with her and, you know, she can actually give you some more guidance and act. And, and now that we're in virtual world, who knows? Mm, you might be able to do a three-way conference. Exactly. Sort, Zoom, just it, like brainstorming, you know, throw some ideas around and just interact. Too. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, we can definitely do that and just kind of see where, where we can take that. So, um, yeah, we'll set that up off offline. <laughs> okay, 
Um, but you know, being in this 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 arena, being our authentic selves, everyone says you should be true. You should you know show yourself. But um, I just took myself and put myself in a different space and actually posted my um, a snippet of a monologue that I did. It was a self monologue, um, oh, wow. and it was just who am I, right? Who, who am I? You, you think you know who I am. But, you know, let me share with you who I am because obviously you don't know kind of thing. Because when we walk out here, as you said in the beginning, we have to be what makes other people comfortable. And we have to put on a mask every, with whichever group of people we are around. I, I tell you, I've worn so many masks. It's, it's sad. I had to really sit down with myself and say, who am I? Because yeah. I've, I've been the only black face in, in lecture hall. I've been the only black nurse on the unit. And, you know, you walk in a patient's room and they say, are you my, I asked for my nurse, not the, the, the tech. I was like, I am your nurse. What the hell? You know, so you wear these faces everywhere and then you when you speak, you're looked at as if, oh, you speak so well. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, I can I can go to the hood if you like. You know, I, it's all good. But I choose not to if, it, if it's not necessary. It's not necessary for me to do that. So why is it that we can't show up? And be appreciated for the individual that we are. Even if you are that person coming from the hood. It does not mean you do not have value. It does not mean you don't bring something of value to the table. So why is it that where we come from discredits us? What we look like discredits us. It shouldn't. So, yes, absolutely. right? And you, you've experienced that magna magnified just on presentation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I guess, how do we, how, in, in our minds, how do we begin to transform that? I, I mean, I know speaking and, and see something, say something. I think also it starts with self-talk, too. Mm-hmm. I think it starts with inside because, you know, if you have positive self-talk with yourself, then you are in, uh, accepting of certain behaviors and externally. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have negative self-talk that I struggle with. You know, oftentimes I've been quoted and referencing, well, you know, how you feeling? Girl, I'm fat, child. I'm out of breath. You know, but that's negative to mm-hmm. call myself fat. You know what I'm saying? That's right. a negative self-talk. You know, so um, just, you know, whatever you're struggling with, you know, try to find a way to look at the situation differently. Mm. You know, because sometimes you can't change the situation, but you have to change your thoughts about the situation. Yes. You know what I mean? And then I think once you internally report on what's going on, then it'll help externally. You know, because, you know, folks will lie to themselves, so you can't expect honesty from them. Right. Right. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, but it's true. It's true. I can't expect no honesty from nobody. 
going on. Right. So how so how can we get that, you know, honesty from from other people? And that's why I say I try to be as honest when someone asks me something as possible because I here's the thing. If you ask me something, then I'm going to expect that you want to hear the truth and you you, you have some value in what it is that my response will be. Right, right. But that's you not know, true for other yeah, people. <laughs> absolutely not. You know, so it's just interesting um, when, I, when I think about that. Um, I definitely know that self-care is important, loving on yourself as well. Mm. Um, just, you know, taking time to enjoy moments, finding exploring yourself um and i think sometimes that 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 comes from solitude uh we got so many distractions going on um i think covid is a great lesson in solitude too because when we initially didn't know what was going on you had to sit with yourself yeah i feel like sometimes you got to sit with yourself our covid was a great example of sitting sitting with yourself um it, it exposed the fallacy in a lot of relationships because you realize you didn't really know this person you thought you knew because you were so busy living life and yep. you only were talking to share the bed and you realize you didn't really know this person or it exposed you to your thoughts because as you were home quarantined as most should have been um you didn't really realize how you couldn't even tolerate your own company and the things that you thought about and, and, and how outside was a distraction from your own thoughts. Mm. You got to sit with yourself sometimes. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but you got to sit in it. Yeah. And you got to sit in it. You got to process. Yes. And I, you're right. That, that happened to a lot of people. You realize you didn't like the person you were married to or you, you were dating. Um, it's like, oh, this is, this is who you really are, huh? Um, <laughs> and, and that goes to when you're in those relationships you have to find the value uh, in each other that goes deeper than the surface level of things that we see. The fact that they're beautiful, handsome, um, the sex is great, the food is great, whatever. It, it, it stems so much further to that because when we, we build relationships, especially long-term relationships, I'm sorry, I'm looking to see if I can have a conversation with you in and out the bed. I'm looking to see if you have a profound thought outside of, you know, that. Well, where are your morals and values in alignment? What? How do you define love? What right. And 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 not necessarily what your love language is, but you know how receptive are you in learning someone else's? Because sometimes we love someone in the way that we want to be loved, but that's not the way they want to receive it. Yes. You know, it's, it's a lot of things, you know, that we we do. Um, you know, how much do you really know about yourself? Yes. Like, you know, um, what you what what are your what are your uh, desires? Like, you know, what are your long term goals or short term goals? You know, and, and it's like those things are I, I look to ask. You know, just to see like where are you? Right. And, and see how we gel too. So, um, but yeah, it's it's a, I think it's a journey. I think we're ever changing and ever evolving. I'm definitely at thirty eight, not who I was at thirty. Mm -hmm. You know, who knows what this next decade, next year will bring when I turn 40. I'll be 39 in May. So it's it's just interesting, you know, the spectrum. And, you know, hopefully uh, as I, you know, age, I continue to mature 
You already know maturity and age. Nope, nope. Take what I know. Oh, no. <laughs> it is scary. But it, it's true because even, I mean, and you're going to continue to evolve because that's how we are as humans that, you know, those of us who are um, in life and active about life and wanted to experience life, we, we evolve. We don't stay stagnant. Um, so you're you're going to continue, especially once you get into grief counseling and you meet different people and you start channeling that out. It's going to expand so far and wide, and I'm just going to be so loving and enjoying the journey for you <laughs> because it is going to be. I, I feel it. It's going to be amazing, and um, you're going to make such an impact because you're going to give a perspective on just life loving and grief that a lot of people don't get to tap into because of the the stigmas behind being lgbtq and masculine appearing therapy. and just Absolutely. and and just therapy alone um and i've mentioned this before that you know people have this huge stigma about seeking and talking to somebody and i was like no i said I have a therapist and sometimes we chat and she's like, why did you even need therapy? I'm like, I don't know. I just needed somebody to talk to that was outside of, you know, my husband, outside of my circle, who I think can give an objective opinion about some of the shit that I do and some of the shit that I say. Absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's true. That's true. I mean, that's as real as it can be. I mean, even, even I process, you know, just, you know, being masculine presented because you know, um, I'm at this age where, you know, I'm not tolerating too much, mm -hmm. um, you know, because, and then, and then, and then what I would like to perceive, because there's a stigma with masculine presenting women. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's a see, perceive that I can't be sentimental, or I can't have a softness, or I can't, you know, want affection, or I can't, you know, and then, and then you meet women that are, have the inability to provide the nurturing Mm -hmm. you know that are they don't offer it because they're so used to because it's like I mean, as a masculine woman I've been told by so many like myself that like oh no no you know like we are not allowed the space to like express ourselves and then it's been so customary that a you know a woman that maybe like feminine presenting she's like oh yeah I'm not used to someone so in touch with their emotions like I'm still a woman right and it's crazy and so then they don't know how to really handle you because you're very vocal about your feelings <laughs> you know God I mean? forbid you communicate that, right? Because even men should communicate that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, and it's just crazy because I mean, I see it in the heterosexual world. I feel like a lot of the time we do men a disservice because we, we, we're telling them that, you know, hey, uh, you can't express yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'll give an example a little girl will fall on the ground. Oh, princess, you know, are you all right? We'll call her. But then the little boy falls, you know, get up, you know, we'll call a little bit more mm -hmm. assertive. And you're already telling them at an early age they can't express themselves. And then you wonder why they died earlier. Exactly. You know, it's just like they can't use their words or articulate things and stuff. And then, like, I'm just, I'm just in this space where I'm just ready to, like, address my shit. Like, I feel like childhood traumas have a time limit. Like, it's just so many things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And parted with that it just passed down, you know, just the black woman syndrome, just that. <laughs> What? Like, what's with these family secrets? Like, I'm right. tired of bearing the burden of, like, of it all. Yeah, like, you know? yeah. 
it, it's it's hilarious because I was just I just did my uh, ancestry right, so I, I just started that journey and found out different parts of the tribe that you know my mom's side was on, and I just sent out for my dad, and so I said to my aunt. You know, we were descendants of this, you know, Guinea Basu tribe in West Africa. She was like, oh, I didn't get that. I said, wait a minute. You did your ancestry and you didn't share it with everyone else in the family? And she's like, she's like, no, I have it somewhere. I, I did it a while ago. She's like, I wanted to see why we were so dysfunctional. And I said to myself right there, I said, this right here is why we're dysfunctional. <laughs> Why wouldn't you have that conversation? Why wouldn't you share what you found? Why? I said, we have to stop doing that. We have to share our knowledge. We have, I mean, our history has already been taken away from us on a, a huge level. That we just continue to continue that breakdown in, from generation to generation and we have to stop it. Absolutely. It has to end. It's imperative. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely understand. But, you know, it just adds to why we move the way we do. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, been in situations where, you know, some people are not used to expressing their emotions and how they feel. And they're used to keeping everything in. And then, you know, misconstruing, keeping everything in is, you know, conserving pillow talk. And, and then when you're vocal and you're expressive and get things out and they have been taught to le let things out because pressure bust pipes, then you, you know, in part have conflict. Mm-hmm. Because then the other individual can't understand why you're so vocal and expressive and then they keeping everything in. Where I here mad at the world, depressed. Right. Not addressing that shit. You know what I mean? Just a lot of stuff that you see. Just in your interactions with your friends. Yes. Like you know, so I try to work through my fears. And even though I express having a fear of, like, going to the bathroom alone, it's not that I don't go. Right. I go. So that's working through it. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's just like, hey, eventually I won't need someone to go. Sometimes I do. I do go without mm -hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, Yeah. You know, you got to work through your thing. You got to work through whatever it's causing you anguish. I think it's all about just movement. I think um, what grief has taught me, and I apply it to every aspect, is you can't be stagnant. No. You got to move. Definitely. Stagnant, you'll drown in whatever emotion that you're feeling at the moment. Mm -hmm. You'll succumb. Movement is like treading water. And so if grief is a wave, you got to tread water. Life is a wave. Things are going to come and hit you periodically. And yes. you got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. Yes. In some capacity. You got you to jump with that wave. Keep your head above mm -hmm. water. And embrace, embrace it. it. Mm -hmm. And you got and then finding healthy coping mechanisms. So I try to, when I'm met with adversity from, you know, masculine presented, I just try to find healthy coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. You know, outlets with friends, you know, virtually now because of the pandemic or exercising or you know i have adult coloring book or you know i try to read mm -hmm. you know as i mentioned a few things that i think you know, i like to write you mm -hmm. know so yeah well definitely I'm working on a memoir oh cool so you're going to have to share some of that uh writing on my web page once sure. i finish getting it up um i have a poetry corner awesome um on the page poetry. yeah so um we are, I haven't um, published a new page yet. It's still a work in progress, but it's a, I have a blog section and a poetry section. So 
um, definitely you are welcome to share what what uh, you have once it's up and running. And um, yeah, I love it. And we have so many other things to uncover that um, I would love to have you come back again. Um, Absolutely. And have another conversation because, uh, you, like you said, we, we've touched on a lot of different things. But um, when, in, when you are in that space and we decide on another, another time and day, goodness, I can't get my words out, time and day, um, let's, let's explore that dealing with the level of grief and also rebuilding a relationship because we talked off uh off record a little bit about you know restarting and and rebuilding and when is it too soon or long Absolutely. enough to, to 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 you know because it's uncharted territory right Absolutely. right it's uncharted territory so I definitely want to um, schedule a, a a second session where we we can discuss that because I think it's really important to talk about that because we all grieve at, grieve at different uh, rates and there's no time limit on grief. Um, and I, I never want anyone to say, Oh, you, you know, your, your husband, wife, your grandmother's been gone for 20 years. You should be fine. No, who the hell says so? Who says that? Right. So I do want to touch upon that because I know, especially us in the black and brown community, there are such stigmas around, um, restarting relationships. And, you know, there is. So, um, and when they should happen <laughs> and for whom, right? And for whom? Absolutely. And for whom? So I definitely would like to chat about that, but I want to thank you. I don't want to keep you too long. I mean, we've already been talking for like almost an hour, right, right. <laughs> over okay. an hour. No worries. <laughs> um, but cause I, I've had conversations and I, I can definitely go on and on and on, but, um, yeah, me too. So I'm down for whenever you want to schedule Um, it. so yeah, so we, you have to look at your schedule cause you I'm know. free. <laughs> She's like, I'm free. Days. So look, I'll try. So I, I'll just catch you while you're still. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, we got a little time. You know, I just took some time off for the next fourteen days. Nope. All right. So I'll, I'll definitely um, grasp another day in there while we can. But um, thank okay. you so much for um, the conversation. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Yes, and queen. It is. Thank yes, you. Yes. Yes. Appreciate thank your energy. Yes, absolutely. We have, you know, your energy is amazing. Like, I'm ready to go out there and just stomp on the world. Um, hey, guys, the limit. Just remember there's footprints on the moon. That's right, right? I don't know whose, but there are footprints up there. Exactly, you know. Um, but, yeah, so thank you so much. And we definitely will continue uh, this conversation again. I appreciate you, as always. Um, All right. So, Yeah. Gosh, what an amazing conversation I have with my sister, my friend, Tiffany Lattimore. And we will definitely have more uh, that we will share from her. So if you haven't uh, subscribed, please do, um, do, do so. Uh, subscribe to the page. And also, please, uh, if you have any feedback, please feel free to share. Uh, you can find my email, dc at thesoulfuleclectic.com. And also, you can find me on Facebook, DC Soulful Eclectic, and also uh, on Instagram, the period 
Soulful Eclectic. And I just look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. And if you have not checked in on a family, a friend, a loved one, please do so. Check in and just say, hey, how are you? And and also listen to the response. Don't just say, hey, drop it and then leave it in the air. Listen for the response and be engaged, right? Be engaged and communicate with one another. Open, honest, honestly, and authentically. So with that, I leave you with love and light. And I wish you all the best. Namaste.